This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Tony Diaz, a Libro Traficante, author of The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Culture Capital. Really appreciate you tuning in to the Nuestra Palabra multi-platform broadcast. Maybe you're tuning in first on social media, or perhaps you're watching the video version of this on fox26houston.com, or maybe you're listening to the audio version of this on our first platform, which was KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston's community station. And I always pause right there to thank all of our listeners who supported us, but also encourage you to donate to KPFT if you can, so that we can continue to bring you programs like this, our terms on our terms, a deep look into the community, always telling really new stories about our hint and community. And you can donate by going to kpft.org or calling 713-526-5738. This also will become our podcast. And of course, Nuestra Palabra started in person. This is our 25th anniversary season. We are going to be coming out to the community in different ways. So please do look for us there. Today, we're talking about Latino visual arts. And I, I tell you, the Latino visual arts scene will never be the same. And I'm really happy to, to welcome three folks who are making a big impact. And you'll not only be able to learn more about them, to see their work on exhibit, but if you're lucky, you may wind up with one of their amazing works in your own home. I, a ver, a ver, a ver. And uh, I want to say hi to them and welcome them first. We have Representando Mexico. Mexico. Hey, hey, Vidi Ramos. Hey, Vidi, yeah. thank you for tuning in. Hello. Thank you for having me. Very excited. Fantastic. And we look forward to, to finding out even more about your work. You got the famous Concha new head right behind somewhere <laughs> yes. right behind that's you that's a puzzle version yeah that's very mm -hmm. cool mm -hmm. and uh representando venezuela our friend gerardo rosales who i've had the pleasure of actually i've been to some of your exhibits seen some of your work firsthand so thank you so much for for joining us tonight tell us about the piece behind you thank you for the invitation tony uh yeah behind me there is a piece it's called coyote at dusk and actually, that was a um, representation, if you like, of a, a, an encounter that I had with a white coyote in Memorial Park. I was walking and the coyote just came out, out of the woods. And we have like a 10 seconds encounter, which it looks to be like an hour. And it was a <laughs> nine and it was a, a beautiful experience, really. It was kind of, kind of like a spiritual experience. And after that, I, I um, decided to paint the, the coyote as a figure that showed like fragility and as a animal that was kind of like a reclaiming the space, you know, that the city is taking from them, from nature. So it was a very interesting, 
episodes, you know, to think mm -hmm. about nature in the city. No, and I've seen some of the coyotes there at, the, at Memorial Park. It is startling. So I think it did a great job of capturing it. And uh, last but not least, and representing Colombia, nuestra amiga Nella Garzón. Hey, great to see you again, Ed. I met you early on with Manteca, and uh, we've chatted several times. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us, Nella. Hi, Tony. Thank you for having me. And, of course, I do want to point out I'm happy to be uh, on the board of Alma. This is a nonprofit that was created to help design and further an attempt to create a state-of-the-art Latino art complex. And I'm also proud to be uh, one of the co-writers of a grant that got funded for $1 million from Houston Endowment. And that was to create a report. And I want to point out that that's the first time Houston Endowment has awarded any organization just for its intellectual work. And this report, which we will submit in December of 2023, December of this year, will break down um, where this institution will be, how much it will cost, what it should consist of, and other important questions. And it will also um, quantify the Latino art ecosystem, Latino art community, and then also talk about how we can serve the entire city through satellites and how it will quantify the desires and visions of the Latino community and, and create a path towards, towards reaching some of that. And of course, this is a long report and I'm into that. So I'm not going to bore everybody by reading it. Instead, I'm going to invite you <laughs> to come experience some of the research because part of that then was to take a look at one of the very powerful segments of the Latino art community, which is the visual art component. And I know, and many of us know that there's always been a lot of talent and there's a lot of uh, people here who, who want to express it, but that's not always been recognized. So then Alma used its resources. And again, this is part of the research to inspire. It was almost 100 100 Houston Latino visual artists to apply. And I should point out that this is a big number because the Houston Arts Alliance at its last call for individual artists had 100 individual artists total, about 26 of whom were Latino. Um, we also hired two world-class curators, jurors, and we paid them. And I point that out because, you know, when I pick artists or writers, they think, oh, well, he's just being nice or whatnot. Uh, these are the... This is their jobs. This is their credibility. From there, they they went through and they picked these these uh, jurors picked thirty three artists to exhibit their work, and though that's on exhibit right now, so folks can go see the twenty twenty three Alma Visual Arts Exhibit. It's at the Post, which is four hundred one uh, Franklin Street. It's there during business hours, but. I'm going to bring it now to our guest tonight because on top of that recognition, the jurors chose five of those artists to be the 2023 Alma and Museum of Fine Arts Houston studio artist, which really is a big deal. And folks can go and, and see the works now. I do want folks to know that on um, May 12th, there'll actually be an auction for some of the works. Some of it will be a silent auction, but uh, your works, which are right on one wall, will be part of the live auction as well. 
And last but not least, I do want to point out that the proceeds, half of the proceeds will go to Alma as well. And that's huge because you're giving back. I want people to know then that if they do support the art, they're supporting the visual artist, but giving back to the community as well. I would like to go around uh, one by one, and I do want to focus on that one aspect. Again, I'm, I'm writing a really long report, but, but this one data point, how big a deal is it that you're getting a studio visit and, and being named one of the Alma and Museum of Fine Arts Houston 2023 studio artists? Did you know this was going to happen, or is this a pleasant surprise? And uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Vidi. Yes, a very pleasant surprise. And I think I've told you before that I thought it was a joke. I got a call in the middle of the day. I knew that I was participating with Alma, but I was not uh, I was not aware that uh, the Museum of Fine Arts was involved. Um, so I kind of hung up and I immediately called Gabriela, which was, uh, I've worked with her. Uh, she was a curator for another show. Uh, and she said yes. So, I mean, it, it, it's just good to be recognized. I think we all try to push each other. There's not a lot of space. Um, that's been my experience for us to showcase our, our, our work. So, so to be, to be given this opportunity, even for me to participate with this, another Latin artist, and I'll shout her out, Sulma Vega. She was the one that said, Hey, this is happening. You should apply. We each try to push each other to get recognition. We're not fighting against each other. We're trying, we know that there's a space for us and a need for it. So we're all trying to call on each other. So, so being able to, to show this to a larger audience, to, to, to the Museum of Fine Arts. It's really impressive, something I was not expecting. And, and I'm glad you pointed out too that one, you've got Houston Latino visual artists supporting each other. It's not in competition. And this is gonna sound like a very simple question, but is it how important is it for Latino art visual artists to have a place to exhibit? It's it's everything. It's it's validation that there's a space for us. I think it's recognition that that it's needed. Once they see how how many people have applied, how many people are interested in the work, I think it it highlights the need for us to be represented in a larger scale. Um, we we are needed everywhere. Thank you, Nella. Same question. So, did you know this was going to happen? And and what were your thoughts when you found out? I didn't know at all. I think no one knew at all. You know, until we got the call. It was a great surprise uh, till this point, a little bit not knowing where to stand in front of it until we get the studio visit. Uh, it is exciting to be able to share my work with the Museum of Fine Arts folks because that's not an easy opportunity to get. You know, just for getting them here and being able to show them what I've been doing for years is just already like I want uh, something magnificent. I don't know what's going to come from it, but I am just thrilled about it. I should give a shout out to the chair of Alma, Heraldina Interiano Weiss, and she's also a visual artist. And I should also give a shout out to uh, Marika Ramirez, who is at the Museum of Fine Arts Houston, and she's been pushing in this field for a long time. I do want to speak to your question about you didn't know it was coming. I should mention 
I'm kind of the wet blanket in the in the boardroom, and I'm like, everybody, slow your roll, okay? Uh, Alma doesn't have money for operating costs, so we're we're not putting on programming. This is still research, and I say that because we don't have a full fledged staff to do everything that goes with the visual arts exhibit. However, we do have enough capacity to further these important points to discover what it can mean. And the collaboration between Alma and the MFH evolved organically. So, so this is something that was kind of brewing, maybe wouldn't happen, but it's taken all of us to be involved. It took the caliber of the art available to, to make this happen. And I think it's very nice to get all these folks in, in proximity to, to come together. Gerardo, I'm going to ask you um, an even more boring question. Usually I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> the provocateur. I'm kind of like <laughs> I'm lowering the temperature now. For folks that may not understand what a studio visit consists of, can you explain what that means to folks? Well, um, oh, to start, the studio visit is, you know, when a curator or a collector or somebody, you know, from the public just want to know a little bit more about your practice, your, your ideas behind your artwork and the history in a way of how the artwork has been evolving for years. So having the eye of the um, Museum of Fine Art of Houston is, is a very special opportunity i feel really privileged you know and fortunate to have this opportunity to uh demonstrate and to explain to them you know all the uh, process that i've been having for years you know and all the um, research that i've been doing as well um artists you know tend to worry that isolation is is not very easy to bring curators and even you know, peer artists to the studio. So mm -hmm. having these uh, fantastic opportunities is, is really, uh, it's really amazing. You know, I'm, I'm feel really privileged for that opportunity. And and, 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 and also, you know, the, the fact that you will be able to receive some feedback from, from uh, these curators uh, help a lot, you know, artists to understand even more the full picture of the world that we're doing. And I think that's a great context to put in it. It, it is where uh, we are being humanized. So, so to me, I think what's vital is that we're demonstrating that Houston has the talent and that it is world-class. Um, and we've come up with different ways to, to, to prove it. Um, and I think you mentioned earlier when we we're chatting offline, Nella, that it is not a common practice for major museums to look in their own backyard for talent. Uh, perhaps this is the beginning of a trend where especially Houston Latino artists can be recognized. But tell us a little more about that. I know that the majority of the collection, let's say in the Museum of Fine Arts is Latin American artists. So it's artists that work usually or that have trajectory in their own country and that world known, and then they collect their pieces and bring them, then I don't know how many of the pieces they have are from actual Latinx artists working and living in the US. But I do know that the majority of artists there 
work somewhere else, you know, like in their own country. I think it's it's like a new wave of interest that it's starting in the U.S. about what Latinx art is and represents and looking what people who are immigrants or immigrant descendants from Latin American people are doing when they inhabit here. And um, for folks that are tuning in, I will share that in a little bit, we will talk about your particular works. However, people have to earn it. So, so I do want to give the context because I don't want people to take this for granted. And to your point, I'm also excited because I think Houston's in a very unique place where you have Mari Carmen Ramirez here at the, at the um, Museum of Fine Arts Houston doing what she's been doing. But you also have Alma and, of course, our chair, um, Haroldina Interiano Weiss, uh, doing what we're doing. And I should point out, um, you know, Nuestra Palabras has 25 years in cultivating community cultural capital. We're more on the literary side, although we would argue that we're arts across the board. It helps to have the million dollars uh, to create the infrastructure, board members that are grassroots, grass tops, experts from different areas of arts, and then we've made these calculated decisions on, we are going to have 30 visioning sessions. So folks that are tuning in and they're like, well, hey, I want to talk about what I think this should be. We're going to come to you. Uh, I'm the chair of the community engagement committee. We're going to have visioning sessions throughout the city uh, up to 30. So no se pongan celosos. Don't feel left out. We're coming to you. And everyone's going to put their granito arena to help us build this wonderful institution but I want to make no mistake, we're going from deep in the community to the upper echelons of art, and that's very unique. And, uh, you know, um, uh, Vidi, you mentioned that it's not competition. I think we all need to start thinking about, you mentioned claiming our space, maybe quantifying what we do so that we can create fair exchanges of community cultural capital and help each other. Because I think what's happening is that a new group like Alma needs the prestige and capital of the Museum of Fine Arts Houston. Likewise, the Museum of Fine Arts Houston needs the deep community cultural capital that Alma brings to the table. And there's the win-win, you know, and hopefully year after year we can keep producing all this. Um, I want to get people excited about the art so they can come see your visual art. It's exhibited right now at the post. I love that. Walk in. It's free. Um, they can also take some home. So there will be a, a silent auction and your pieces will also be uh, on part of the live auction. And this is independent of the studio visit when people come to your studios. Let's talk about some of your your obras que, que ahorita se están exhibiendo, que se están exponiendo. Uh, in the post, and let's see. Well, Vidi, you you got the concha behind you. Tell us about the the concha uh, first. So la concha, the title of that piece is La Dueña Mis Quincenas. I, I every all my pieces, their titles are in Spanish. 
I started painting um, like a famous icons. I started doing characters. I did El Chapulín Colorado, Cantinflas, all those famous people that I grew up with. Um, and in painting them, I started trying um, to try to see what else was iconic. So I went into our food, into our celebrations, and I thought they themselves are their own character. They're known across the world. So I did, this is, uh, this is a female with the head of a concha, our pastries. It's like part iconic, our food. I have one with a tortilla. Um, and this is a play with the title also, La Dueña de Mis Quincenas, is a play of in Mexico. You call your significant other uh, La Dueña de Mis Quincenas because they take your paycheck. So hey. for me, <laughs> so for me, this young lady, the food, my money goes all towards Mexican food, buying Mexican antojitos and, 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 and bread and, and, and that's why I called her that and make her a female is a little bit seducing. This is a puzzle version. So I, I mean, my intention with the art is to get it as to many houses as possible. I know art is not always accessible. Shipping it to many places is sometimes hard. Uh, so I figured uh, by making it art in a box, I would get it into more people's hands. I, I like painting, but I know part of it is trying to be out there. Folks can see your puzzles on your Instagram page. Yes, they can. So, I mean, I post there because I, I'm, I'm excited. If, if I didn't post there instead of just two people in my household seeing them, I'm happy that anybody else can. So I try to stay active. I forget and then I'll go back and post every other week just to to, to have some presence there. And yes, yeah, so I turn them into puzzles to, to be able to reach more people. I have a son and I want him to be surrounded by Mexican artwork and by Mexican Very culture. Cool. He's growing away from where I grew up, which I think is beautiful. So just bringing this into our home, it's just a success in my own, like in my own household, as long as it's here in my home, I, I call it a success. Fantastic. And uh, I can tell you exactly where that piece is exhibited. I should mention to folks that Nuestra Palabra is kicking off its 25th anniversary showcase at the exhibit to demonstrate and dramatize this collaboration. We are accelerating cultura. And uh, your piece that you just showed us is at the back of the exhibit, just it's four sides. A little later, we'll come back and talk about your other piece, which will be right on the wall behind me as I'm on stage talking about mm -hmm. the 25th anniversary. And we're going to talk about the literary tie-in in a little bit because that's special. Um, I now want to talk to uh, uh, Nella and talk about Colombia, talk about your pieces. And, you know, I got to meet you with Manteca también yeah. way back, which was fun. Uh, tell us how you picked the pieces to submit for the Alma 2023 visual art exhibit titled We Are Houston. Well, the, the choosing of them, I really don't know. I, I just value a lot uh, that project I did in 2020 called Made in China. It's a project that uh, uh, involved research and involved uh, a lot of entering Cape hand sewing pieces and because of the pandemic even though i had a solo show at the institute of hispanic culture well i didn't get as many people to see all that work as i wanted to so i thought i might as well send it whenever i have the opportunity for more people to enjoy them so these uh three pieces out of others that i did i were inspired by molas that are um, indigenous crafts from Panama and Colombia, from the Gonadule people. Uh, so their pieces are usually hand-sewn also. It's layers of color of fabric 
and uh, they do the science of the cosmogony and their beliefs. Mm. So it's usually animals and the environment where they live and the women wear them on the upper part of the attire. Um, so thinking about consumerism and mm. also the loss of culture and of our ancestry, uh, I decided to, to make a tribute to indigenous arts by doing these wannabe molas because mine are not mm. in any degree as good as theirs. And mine portray like um, mass consumer items made in China. So I gathered made in China fabrics from stores in Houston, uh, some other made in China fabrics like that background that is so beautiful is, is mm. Chinese mm. fabric. But all of them, even the flat color cottons, I, I wanted to, to use made in China fabrics. I did a research on the most produced items and consumed goods, you know, like appliances, electronics, toys. There's other molas that I did that were hair products. There's also car parts. I didn't want to do one of those because that was too boring for me, car parts. <laughs> but like anything you can think of is made in China. So it's very important to me um, to talk about the hybrid cultures that exist now because of globalization, because of migration, forced migration. We also get uh, cultures from everywhere into our own lives. You know, I grew up in Colombia until I was 30 years old and you could find anything that you can think of uh, from anywhere in the world there too. You know, not, not having uh, people diversity in inhabitants but the products would arrive there um bootleg versions everything so that to me has been a very a big source of inspiration uh wondering about origins wondering mm. where people come from valuing their cultural background and uh, going farther more uh, taking in count all the indigenous and ethnic groups from the world that are disappearing slowly because of um, factories, manufacturing, mm. uh, fracking, digging petroleum, oil companies, all of what we uh, modern people rely on for our own needs, you know? Uh, it's part of the devastation, not, not only of the environment, but also for the planet uh, mm. and the culture of everyone, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what well, these pieces are about. And this series, you have a very distinctive style too, because I remember seeing one uh, on one side of the exhibit, and then another one is on the on the wall that's going to be the 13 pieces that are part of the live auction. And um, we, there's one with the red hand, such vibrant colors. And it's great to hear you um, talk about the juxtaposition of the different uh, iconography because um, it's ironic. You've got a cell phone there, but it's, so it's a Colombiana in Houston <laughs> creating the piece that has a cell phone in a hand depicting the fabric <laughs> that you can find in the store. So it, it's all these different different layers and it's very, very uh, evocative, very eye-catching. 
I do want to remind folks too that they can go see the artworks, of course, but also they can bid on them. And, and I've mentioned it a couple times. I do want to point out that is part of the research. And this is how it's part of the research is that when we have the um, silent auction, I want to be able to say in the report that Houston has a base of art buyers. And even the curators during one of the discussions had said that that's necessary to create a vibrant art ecosystem. So you have to have art buyers. What I hope I can report in our findings is that Houston embraced this exhibit, purchased the items, which then in turn, yes, half goes back to the artist, half goes to Alma. But more importantly, we demonstrate that there is a market for this and we can talk about the sustainability because the long haul is that we're going to have to rely on our hinted to come together to give time and energy, but we're also going to rely on our folks to put uh, their own money into this and for the complex that at least I'm envisioning. And, and I say me, this is not my project. I'm the one arguing for this approach we're going to need about 300 million or 500 million dollars and it's about time our community got that don't get scared this is the beginning steps I want people to understand that all these parts come together. If you show up, you're just going to enjoy the visual art. I'm going to stop there and go to uh, Gerardo. Your pieces will also be part of the live auction. Um, Gerardo, tell us about the work that we are looking at, and I'll try and describe it to our radio listeners. The, the piece that we see in the background, actually, it is a, um, you know, it was like um, a sample of the world that I just, I did originally when I started producing art back in Venezuela in the late 80s. And the pit, you know, the everyday life of Venezuela. But in this case, because the political situation in Venezuela, those paintings that I used to do in the past that were very celebratory in this case show elements that are more associated with the violence that mm -hmm. was very... Um, significant in Venezuela, like in 2016, you know, when there were a lot of demonstrations in uh, a lot of uh, police brutality against the community to stop those demonstrations. So it, it is kind of like a very attractive, typical painting that, uh, you know, connected with kind of naive art that you can see in Latin America. But in this case, there is a lot of things going on that are connected with that violence that I've been telling you in a very subtle way. Mm. Um, I don't know if you have paintings of the um, the drawings that are at the auction or at the um, exhibition at, at the post at the moment. Uh, but I would like to mention, you know, the importance of the support that uh, artists, you know, can receive and how they can we can grow our practice can grow significantly um back in 2018 when the art latino now happened in houston mm -hmm. 
I have the opportunity to be part of an art residency at Trans Art Foundation here mm -hmm. in Houston. And I was able to develop a very interesting uh, body of work. And thanks to that exhibition, I, I just was able to show to London Art Central, you know, about the work that I was doing. And I just got a residency there as well. So these two opportunities like really helped me to um, show my work in the city and, and get the attention or the interest of curators and other uh, people involved in the arts. So um, my, my work has actually grown from that moment. Wow. The um, work that you see at the moment here is at, at the moment showing a Bill Arming exhibitions. It's a gallery located in 60, 604 West Alabama. Mm -hmm. It's in the Montrose area. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I'm doing over here, um, when I create this work, I was having in mind uh, all these, um, the harshness of what people are experiencing, especially in Venezuela because the situation they're living in the country, literally mm. walking. And, 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 and I was trying to talk about the difficulties to be exposed in nature. You know, we always sometimes romanticize nature. And, and, mm. and that's what I'm doing over here. I'm painting nature in a way that is beautiful and very seductive. But then when you look more carefully, you start discovering elements there that are not that welcoming, you know? Mm. And um, so, yeah, there is several paintings uh, there in this show. Uh, there is one in the background at the moment that shows the uh, foundational myth of Rome. It's Romulus and Remus. And in this case, I was just mm -hmm. thinking in people crossing the Darien Gap in Panama that a lot of people from South America that are coming to the U.S. looking for a better life have to cross that jungle that is very hospitable. Mm -hmm. And they, um, you know, in the case of Romulus and Remus, these, these people, these guys represent mm -hmm. just like a form of survival, you know, like being absolutely naked in nature. And um, so, yeah, so there is several layers of, of, of elements there that you can use. Uh, can uh, discover, I suppose, you know, and as I said, you know, the the, the enjoyment of the um, ornaments or the, or the forms, you know, that are kind of like, if you like, uh, very pleasant to the eye, but again, show the harshness of the situation. So and the pieces that are the pose are, are pretty much connected to this uh, exhibition as well. Mm -hmm. There are like two hands, mm -hmm. I believe, with eyes, like the eyes that you can see at night of animals, you can see the you can see just the eyes like lining, you know, in the forest. Mm -hmm. So those are the pieces that I'm trying to pose. Fantastic. Now I really do love speaking to each of you because you do provide such a deep look into the into the work, which would be fantastic in an ethnic studies class. To me, it's a great way to convey history and culture in a very profound way and uh, speaks not just to the high level of aesthetics for our community, but the, the deep cultural knowledge that it's really exciting to, to be able to bring to more people. And I wanna combine it with the literature now, but I do wanna remind folks that uh, we are celebrating the 
2023 Alma Visual Artists. They are on exhibit at The Post, which is 401 Franklin. The exhibit's called We Are Houston. There are 33 Houston Latino visual artists. Among them, five have been recognized as the 2023 Alma and Museum of Fine Arts Houston Studio Artists, which is a really powerful collaboration between a legacy institution and uh, Mari Carmen Ramirez, and also a new organization, ALMA, uh, with our chair, uh, Heraldina Interiano Weiss, who is creating an infrastructure to convey this. And it's a wonderful teaming up that's great for Houston. I should mention there are five ALMA and MFA 2023 studio artists. I'll give out their names, Sandra de la Rosa, Angel Castellan. I want to mention them as well. And I do want to give a shout out to all the board members of Alma, alma.org, A-L-M-A-A-H-H.org. And, you know, there's some people who are tuning in saying, why is the poet talking about visual arts? Or, hey, why are these visual artists on the poetry show? We're Libro Traficantes. We cross all borders. I'm going to ask Vidi to talk about one of her pieces that combines poetry and art. On our 25th anniversary of Nesta Palava Showcase, which is the kickoff, we're going to celebrate how visual arts and poetry combines as epitomized by one of your works. Uh, tell us the piece and tell us how poetry combines with the visual arts. So the title is Mexico Creo en Ti. That is the title of a poem that I learned when I was in elementary school. And growing up, I always thought that that was like the Pledge of Allegiance. I thought that poem was so important. I thought everybody knew it. It's a poem from the 1940s. So written before I was born and um I think the poet died in the late 80s, so I, I was under five. Um, but that poem stuck with me, and I thought everybody knew it, and apparently not. Um, it is well known in a lot of parts of Mexico. Um, it, it talks about the strength of, of your love for your homeland, about um, uh, the, 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 the invisible bond that you have with Mexico, how it reflects in your soul. You don't know why it's there, but it's there, and then how you're attached, and it's part of you. Um, and in this piece and in the video, you can, or in the photo, you cannot see it well, but it has textures. So what I was trying to represent is Mexico and Creventi talks about um, how, how, how even though Mexico goes through this sad, sad stages and, and, and through tragedies, it, your love's still there. So I try to make the words of the poem look like, a con like concrete, but chipped away, but still there. So showing the strength of that love and that patriotism. And it's funny because... Uh, um, once I explain it and I come to realize that these were feelings felt in the 40s and how through the years it still stands and how mm. you feel that now. So through the years, um, it's a feeling and those words are still powerful. And I was detailing the, the meaning of this to someone from the U.S. And they were like, wow, I feel that about my country. So it's not just something that's represented uh, representative to me, but when you, you put that into poetry, into words, you see that other people from other countries identify with the struggle uh, of seeing something more powerful or bigger than you and feeling um, at a loss uh, as, as to how to act, but your love and the passion still there. So I, I like that power and that play of poetry and art mixing together. I have other pieces that are about songs 
I think I think words have a way of bringing us back to memories and to a time, and and, and just it's a big reflection of who we are. You're just trying to win over all the poets and writers, Vidi. Good, good job. <laughs> good job. And uh, at our 25th uh, anniversary showcase, we'll have the stage right in front of the wall where that piece is exhibited. I'm looking forward to getting to read an excerpt uh, in Spanish from the mic uh, and then have you. you there. No, gracias. Uh, gracias. I mean, they're crying over the poem. ¿verdad? No, no, yo también, ¿verdad? And, um, and then you telling us con todo corazón, con tus lágrimas en tus ojos. <laughs> Here's why this painting is important. Mm -hmm. And, and what, what I tell people too, even when they come just to our uh, traditional literary exhibits, you are not buying a product. You could get that anywhere. We are joining together in a story and the story will be, oh my goodness, I was there that night when the visual artist and the writer told me more, not just about the work, not just about our people, but this moment and how Houston's at this wonderful intersection of all these forces, how I'm covering, como uh, un chicano, I'm learning more about myself from my Colombian, Venezuelan, and Mexican brothers and sisters. And here it is, epitomized by this visual art. And I also think it's so special that people can go and view it, and someone can also have it in their home too. And, and I want to stress that because we need to support all of our artists. This time we can support our visual artists. You can support Alma. And I want to write in the report at the end of the year, that Houston residents from all backgrounds stepped up and said, yes, we know this is valuable. I'm going to put my skin in the game and I want that story in my house. And they will always be able to tell that story, not just about that work, but when they met you, when they met us at that special night. I don't want you to think that the Mexicanos are, are teaming up on everyone here, okay? So I want to, I want to give our Venezuelan and Colombian brothers and sisters the last words. Uh, Gerardo, any any parting words about this moment in in Houston? Um, maybe what people can do to support each other a little more for Arte? Well, I think all these events that are happening, like I, I just mentioned, you know, these events that happened with the University of Houston and Latino are not was one very good experience to understand, you know, um, the more current research about Latinx art. And I met so many local artists that I didn't know. I know the dynamic um, that that was in Houston of, of, of in places that I didn't know, you know. So it's very important, all these events that are happening, like Alma or this exhibition that are happen at the moment because you can see and share with other uh, artists that we have a lot of um, things in common really yeah so it's a great opportunity for us to grow and to showcase our work and we'll give the last last word to una mujer nella there's probably someone tuning in that thinks i might not be able to make it is this really a turning point moment do you think is something really going on in Houston, finally? I think, yes. Uh, since the last couple of years, I think, uh, Latinos are starting uh, to go together 
as as not I'm not gonna say as a movement, but finally like getting a harder voice somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's not about I don't think personally that it's not about uh, uh, yelling higher than the other cultures nor anything like that. It's it's more about equality and and getting out there as well mm. as others have have had the opportunity for generations so i think it's very important for people of all ages uh, especially older people to to take their kids to see cultural representation of where they come from and their origins you know i am an art teacher at the elementary and middle school level and i have a lot of hispanic kids and a lot of them, they don't, they don't feel close to their Hispanic heritage, and and it breaks my heart, you know. Mm. And I think more, more representation everywhere, more uh, awesome stuff going on that parents go and take their kids to see. Look, this is your mm. origin. This is where you come from, and it is amazing. Also, it's not only. Nike and Jordans and whatever other things are on TV uh, so that kids start to to feel it too, you know, mm. to know how important is their cultural heritage and their cultural identity and where they come from, you know, because as I was saying, like uh, consumer goods is are not the origin of anyone. Mm. It's more like decades and decades ago and what people are doing with their hands and how people are sharing stories through written or oral word. And, and like you say, it's a win-win for everyone. And how, how wonderful where, you know, 40% of the population can feel that self-determination and excitement that's infectious and create folks that can embrace art across all cultures. So thank you all for all that you do. And we wish you continued success. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I do want to thank my team, Roxana Guzman, who is our multi-platform producer. Also, Rodrigo Bravo, our sound engineer. To all of our volunteers, all of our team, and to all the folks who tune in to our different platforms, including KPFT 90.1 FM, your community station. And I do want to remind folks one more time, we've talked about giving We ask you often, I'm going to ask you one more time, if you can pitch in to keep KPFT going another 50 years, that means a lot to us. So if you can, please go to kpft.org or call 713-526-5738 and pitch in and help us keep this great experiment in freedom of speech going. Hey, I'm Tony Dias Libertafigate. Thank you all for tuning in and I will see you at the exhibit. Gracias a ustedes. Ciao. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Tony. Thank you. Bye. Bye.